0: Good morning, everybody. My name is Jimmy. And I'm the pastor of Recovery Ministries here at Crossroads Grace. And we're so glad that you're joining us here this morning. We're so, so glad. We really are. We just don't say it because that's what we're supposed to say. It's awesome to know that you're joining in this morning. Because there's a lot of ministry still going on with this church. The church isn't this building. The church is the people. And there's a lot of ministry getting done in people's lives. And God's doing a lot of great things through this church. And it's because you're faithful giving It's the the way you give faithfully that makes it all possible. So let me remind you there's three ways that we can give. You can go online uh, to crossroadsgrace.org and you can give that way. You can download the Crossroads Grace app, which I encourage you to do right now anyway because we're going to be referring to it. It'll help you keep up with the the scripture passages, the notes and everything like that. But it's also another way that you can give very easily and then the third way, of course, you can always just drop a check in the mail. We're, that still works, I think. So uh, you can go ahead and do that as well. But but so glad you're here. So glad to be here. So glad uh, God cannot be stopped. The church marches on. And we're going to talk about some great stuff today. Because this is the second part of our four-part series that Pastor Brian launched last week. Uh, it's entitled, it's entitled B. Be that that one word with two letters has such power, such meaning to us, be. Because in this series, we're learning that as believers, uh, we're not very good at being, but we really try hard to be all about doing. Last week, Pastor Brian kicked off the series by showing us what it means to be still. And that was brilliant to start out with that right there, to be still. Because in a world today... That is screaming for us to go, 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 and do, do, do. God is telling us to be still. And man, I know it sounds good, but but practically speaking, that's hard to do. That's just hard to do. But but I love how this message that Brian shared last week flows so seamlessly into our topic for today. Today, we're gonna to talk about be holy. And in order to be holy, you have to first learn how to be still. That's so important. We can be very busy doing things that we think we need to do. And, and checklist checking off the, the boxes when we complete them. That Christian life is seems to be more of a punch list of things we have to get done. As a matter of fact... There's a popular saying out there, and you see it uh, show up on T-shirts and bumper stickers and and mugs and stuff like that. And here's a a picture of it. It says, Jesus is coming. Look busy. (laughs) And you know what? That's kind of of coming close to what I think the general mainstream perception might be of what it means to be holy. Now today, we're going to be hanging out in 1 Peter chapter 1. Verses thirteen through sixteen, gonna camp out the <coughs> excuse me, camp out there, but we're gonna venture off into other passages as well. But that's where we're gonna primarily be today, and I'm gonna read it to you. It says in verse thirteen, starts out, so prepare your minds for action and exercise self control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better back then. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. So right out of the gate, what comes to your mind? What do you picture when you picture Holiness, or a holy person, right? Maybe it's like this. Maybe the the Pope comes to mind, right? Very holy, very elaborate, just just all that, you know. Maybe another uh, idea is Mother Teresa comes to mind as a as a person of holiness, you know, just just self-sacrificing and kind and compassionate. Um, Maybe uh, just the imagery of nuns comes to your mind. You know, they are self-sacrificing as well, and they they devote their their lives fully to serving God, right? Maybe your idea or picture looks a little bit like this last one, the church lady, right? Kind of uh, snide and judgmental and mean and everything. And you know what? I I think that might not be so far-fetched for a lot of people. I'm sure we have our own ideas of what holiness looks like. But I want to spend a few minutes together with you today seeing what the Bible says about what it means to be holy. Because does it mean that we're pious and perfect and sinless? Is God talking about that we dress, talk and behave a certain holy looking way? Does performing a a religious ritual make us holy? Does being holy mean that we withdraw from society altogether, live in a bubble, a monastery, so to speak? Maybe when you think of the word holy, you might get a little defeated. It might seem like, uh, you know, that's that's a standard that's impossible, and I, I can't reach that. I mean, who would be bold enough to say they're holy? Because isn't holiness about perfection? We just read that, right? We just read that... That God is perfect, and in 1 Peter 1 it says, For the Scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. All right, so let's just settle something right now. Let, let's just take something off the table and just settle this. Okay, I want to tell you that we will never be holy like God. We won't. We won't. Breathe easy. We will never be holy like God is holy. Never. That ship sailed a long time ago in the Garden of Eden, right? And if we could be perfect, if we could be on his level, then we wouldn't have needed Jesus to come and atone for our sins. So clearly our sin has ruined the idea of being perfect. So where does that leave us then? Where does that leave us? Only God is holy in His very nature. Only God is distinct and unique and different from everything else in the universe. But He chose us to be like Him, to be holy as He is holy. Man, that's a conundrum, right? Where is this going? Does that mean God is commanding us to do the impossible? Does that mean He's demanding that we live up to His level, right, Equally matched with God when it comes to holiness and perfection? Well, God commanding us to do what we cannot do kind of gives me the picture of a dad who would do this to his son. Watch this. Yes. Albeit, I love that video because uh, there's this dad, even down to the, the, the spandex under his shorts, just going crazy, dunking on this kid. He must feel like a real man, right? That Hanging on the rim like LeBron James, right? And that, and that kid in the video didn't have a chance. Bless his heart. He tried so hard to block this guy, but he didn't have a chance. He plowed him over. That's not... What we're talking about. That's not what God does to us by commanding or demanding that we are at His level when it comes to holiness. But He is expecting some things from us as believers, as as those who are followers of God. He's expecting some things from us. And that's why it was so important that last week we talked about being still before God, because that's where it starts. Being still and knowing he is God is like the trailhead that starts us on the path that leads to holiness in our lives. Think of it this way. There is no way we can be holy apart from being with God. That's exactly what we read that Jesus is saying in John fifteen five. It says, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now we have this lemon tree in our backyard, right? And it's like, it's a powerhouse of a lemon tree. I mean, it must have been there for a while. But the branches do exactly what they're supposed to do. They hang out, they stay plugged into the trunk of this tree. And by doing that, all the nutrients they need flow from the trunk into them as branches. And then the result is fruit is produced, right? They don't have to do anything else. They don't have to fertilize. They don't have to decide how it's going to get done. They just have to abide. They just have to reside in the trunk. And they, they develop fruit. And that tree is a lemon factory, let me tell you. So we can't be holy like God. We're not going to be, right? But by the same token, listen to this. If we strive for anything less than holiness in our life, we're limiting what God desires for our life. If we strive for anything less, then we're limiting what God desires for our life. And so, it's, it's kind of like this: we'll say, "All right, well, if you say Jimmy that I cannot be holy like God, I'm just I'm gonna cling to this grace card I got and just keep doing what I'm doing. I'm, I'm not why try if we're never gonna make it." Well, that's a good thought, but here's what Paul had to say about that. He said in Philippians chapter three. Verses 13 through 14. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. In other words, he said, I had not arrived. I haven't arrived yet. I probably never will. And then he goes on to say, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward to what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus, straining forward. Toward. I press on toward. Forget what lies behind so I can strain ahead, so I can press on toward. You know, the very famous and successful coach of the Green Bay Packers back in the 60s, Vince Lombardi, he's a guy that uh, today the Super Bowl trophy that they give out to the winner of the Super Bowl is called the Lombardi Trophy. He's the guy they named it after, right? He said one time, even he said this perfection is not attainable. But if we chase perfection, we can catch excellence. I love that. I love that. So giving up and throwing in the towel just because we can't reach God's holiness bar is not what he desires. It says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. Because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit and let us work toward complete holiness because we fear God. Fear God. Like an like a reverent fear. Like a he is awesome and powerful kind of fear. Like you know who you are and you know who God is kind of fear. Right? So what does it mean to be holy then? What are we getting at? Well the biblical word for holy, describes the contemporary word for different or set apart. And that's based on, set apart, based on our love for God and our desire to be more like him. It's not set apart to check that punch list. It's not set apart to... um, act out the character of a holy person and by doing so judge people or be critical. It's not that. It's not doing the the churchy thing, saying the churchy sayings, you know, speaking the lingo. That's not it. It's set apart. It's different in this world based on our love for God and our desire to be more like him. Holy means we're different or set apart. That verse we just read said, Let us work toward complete holiness or total set apartness. It's about wanting God's nature to permeate our nature so we can be more like Him. Here, let me show you what I'm talking about there. Okay, I've got this glass, right? Brought it in uh, from home. And um, I'm going to take this water, and I'm going to pour this water into it, right? I feel like I'm doing a cooking show. Okay, so I'm pouring this water into it. And that water represents our nature. And we want our nature to be like God's nature because we love him and we're grateful for all that he's done for us. And here's what happens. When his nature comes into us, when we invite his nature to permeate our nature, what happens is, is that dye, just like this dye is, is mixing all around in that water, His nature permeates every area of our lives if we let Him. Now, when I poured the dye in the water, you saw what happened. That dye went through every area of this glass, right? And that's what God wants to do in our lives, to reach every part of who we are, every area of our lives to bring us closer and closer to holiness, all right? 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16 says, But as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Now, practically speaking, we're we're talking conceptually. We're getting the point across, I hope, right? But what does it look like, practically speaking, day to day in our daily life? There's four key areas of our life. There's probably more, but I'm going to talk about four Key areas of our lives, daily life, where this perme- this uh, permeation, this um, this his nature, of spilling into our nature and changing us. Here's how it shows up in four uh, different parts of our life. Okay, number one, holiness shows in how we think. Okay, when this happens, it shows in how we think. One of my favorite verses in all the Bible. We read it a few minutes ago. I love this. It's so practical. Um, prepare your mind for action. First Peter 1.13, prepare your mind for action. You know what that means to me? That means that we can choose how we're going to think. We can decide ahead of time what our responses are going to be, how we're going to see things, how we're going to explain things, how we're going to talk, how we're going to be. Because you know what? You pretty much know. I, I know. I know the unexpected can happen at any time. But for the most part, you pretty much have an idea how your day is going to go, right? You know your kids uh, may drive you crazy, right? And especially now when we're all at home, uh, you know that the traffic can can maybe be a trigger for you when someone cuts you off or uh, this amazing thing, they go slow in the fast lane. Maybe that's, maybe I'm talking about me. I don't know, right? But we choose ahead of time that how are we going to respond to those things? Because they're probably going to happen. They may not. If they don't happen, then bonus. But typically, we have a pretty good idea of what our day is going to look like. Our boss is a difficult boss. Our job is is whatever it is, right? We choose ahead of time how we're going to live our lives and how we're going to think in our lives about everything. We choose. Prepare your mind for action. And we also choose what goes into our minds and what stays out of our minds, right? Right? How well we choose how we're going to think is really based on how well we choose about what we feed our minds with. Because what we put in our mind has everything to do with how we live and behave and think. It really does. Do you ever wonder, have you ever wondered to yourself, why do I keep doing the same old thing that I don't want to do? Why can't I stop it? Why is it so strong in my life? Right? Or maybe you've thought, you know, why can't I stop thinking the things I think about people, about life, about fear? Why am I, am I thinking these things when I don't want to think them? Why can't I have victory? Well, I really believe that, that we need to take some time and check what we're feeding our mind with. What are we feeding our mind with? Because what we feed our minds with makes our minds strong in that way. And how we feed our mind is what you watch, what you read, what you search on the Internet, the music you listen to, people you're listening to. All these things impact your mind. Now, don't hear me. Please don't hear me. Uh, I'm not saying get rid of your TV. I'm not saying burn your books. I'm not saying the Internet is evil. I'm not saying that. But if we're not careful, those very good things could be used for evil. And if if we feed our mind with that stuff, then, then, then that's going to produce that, that way of thinking. Our minds must be holy if our behavior is to be holy. Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. The Apostle Paul warns us not to let the world squeeze us into its mold. It says in Romans 12, 2, Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. So it shows in how we think. This affects how we think for the positive. It also shows another area is how we talk. How we talk. When we are still before God, a natural consequence is our hearts change. There it is. And when our hearts change, a natural consequence is that our, th- our thinking about how we're going to use words changes. Now let's be super clear here. Okay, please hear me. I'm not at all talking about sounding holy all the time. You know, just throwing biblical passages. And the more obscure, the better biblical passage into your daily sentences when you're at the drive-thru or something like that. You know, I'm not talking about this legalistic way of talking down to people so you sound elevated and holy. Let me tell you, legalistic and churchy jargon doesn't impress anyone especially those who are not believers yet. It may actually uh, impact them in a negative way and maybe turn those that aren't believers, maybe turn them off to the idea. Legalistic and churchy jargon doesn't impress anybody. Now it's true, the words we use reveal heart change, but don't misread me. God isn't telling us to be legalistic. It's not a contest to see who can sound more holy or Christianese. No, it's rather our speech is an opportunity to sound more Christ-like. And what does that mean? Kind, honest, firm, when we have to be. Gentle, communicating, not salty. Okay? That's what Christ-like is. Now look, this hits home for me. God has done in my life uh, some major restorative work. Um, Christ, Christ has done amazing stuff in my life that I never thought he could do. Celebrate Recovery is a Christ-centered, 12-step ministry that uses the Bible as its foundation. And Jesus Christ is our higher power, is is clear as the day is long. And, and uh, we meet Wednesdays at, at 630 online similar to what we're doing here Uh, we have a lot of people we actually have more people checking it out online than we had coming in live because a lot of people want to know more about it but they're embarrassed to show up and so this online thing has really been a great thing to let people check it out and I encourage you to I invite you to just come check it out we don't know who is logged on or who isn't so your 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 secret's safe you can just check out and see what God has for you now, for a long time in my life, I battled anger um, really fiercely. I grew up in an angry home, and it stands to reason that I kind of marinated in that culture. And, but I'm not making excuses, because I had to take responsibility for it. But I never thought I could. I tried to manage it myself. I tried to, you know, um, as, a, as a young Christian, I tried to just bite my tongue, or read my Bible more, or, you know, yell into a pillow, or whatever. And, and these things were not affecting serious change. They weren't really making that, that heart difference in me. For almost, almost 14 years ago now, uh, I finally got into Celebrate Recoveries in Savannah, Georgia, of all places. And I started a journey with God like I never knew existed. Because again, for years I struggled to control my anger. And over time I learned that two things about my anger. Number one, it is every bit an addiction. And number two, my victory in this area wasn't going to come from the outside in. It was going to come from the inside out. Because for years I tried to be nicer, godlier, and all that stuff. But you know, we have a saying in recovery. We have a saying, we have a lot of sayings in recovery. I love them, but here's one for you. It's one thing to be sober, but it's another thing to be recovered. See, if we can manage to just stop the behavior, that's not enough. God has to get a hold of our heart, our nature, and change it. And that's what Celebrate Recovery taught me to do. That's what God showed me through that amazing ministry, Celebrate Recovery. He showed me this. This works from the inside out. And maybe that speaks to you somehow. Maybe uh, being still before God and being more set apart might, for you, show up with in relation to words as maybe choosing not to gossip. In the break room, so much, or join in, or any room for that matter, not just the break room at work, but you know, sometimes church classrooms can be a, a hotbed for that. Just saying. Uh, maybe it means choosing to find the positive in others and, and in your situation. Maybe it means disciplining your kids in such a way that it leaves their dignity intact. Our words can do that. Maybe it means honoring your spouse with your words. Because we live in a world that uses words to put people down and tear people up. But what we're saying here, when this happens, people who are different, they use their words to build people up. I love it. I love this scripture right here. Ephesians 4.29. Do not use harmful words, but only helpful words. Well, that's pretty, that makes sense, right? It couldn't get more simpler than that. Don't use harmful words, but only helpful words. The kind that build up and provide what is needed. So that what you say will do good to those who hear you. Okay? Another area that holiness shows up is in in how we live. and how we live. When this happens, it it results in a a way of living that's different. We say in recovery that right thinking leads to right living. And when we begin to think new thoughts, we begin to live a distinct life. Look carefully. It says in in, uh, Ephesians 5, verse 15 through 17. Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time. Because the days are evil. So therefore, do not be foolish. But understand what the will of the Lord is. And then in, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. It says this. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed... Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Look, when you let the cat out of the bag and you let people know that you're a follower of Christ, those who are not necessarily followers of Christ and have made that decision are going to watch you closely, right? Because why? Because they want to know if it's real, they want to know if it's authentic, they want to know the answer to the question of the universe does God exist? and your life is going to give them evidence one way or the other because they're curious, because people want truth everywhere. I don't know if you're a believer or not watching today. And, and, and if you're not, if, if you've not made uh, that decision for your life, so glad, so glad that you're watching this because people are looking for truth. People are looking for truth. And we that proclaim that we're believers, we have a responsibility to demonstrate well what it means to be this, what it means to be set apart. Another area, the fourth area, holiness shows up in how we love. Love sets us apart. Love is a display of holiness. Love is the litmus test, dare I say, for Christians, right? Not just any kind of love, but sincere love. Genuine love, authentic, like God's love for us. The same kind of love Jesus talked about when he said in John 13, 35, by this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Now this is very interesting. I I love this verse. By this, showing love, all people, all people, believers, non-believers alike, will know, they'll be convinced, it'll be undeniable, that you are my disciples. It doesn't say, by this all people will know, that you are a Democrat or Republican. A, um, that, that you are a, 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 uh, a Browns fan or a Bengals fan. They won't know. Uh, that's not it. That's not what people will, will derive from you living a life that loves people well. They will know, all people will know, that you are my disciples, Jesus said, if you have love for one another. That's the greatest, greatest demonstration to, to show that God is real and he exists to a, to a lost world. Love one another sincerely, deeply and purely. And people will know that you're different. They will know that you are followers of Christ because sincere love, love like that is a rarity in this country, is a rarity in this world. Boy, I tell you what, you watch any kind of news channel, whatever side of the aisle you come down on, and man, it's all mean. It's all accusatory. It's all just trying to defeat the other. so adversarial. It's just, it's just tough to listen to. i got to limit my intake of news to like 2% of what it used to be because it's just so hard to listen to. And I don't want to feed my mind with all that. True love, sincere love, is a rarity in this world. Now, for those of us who profess a faith and follow Christ, to be holy is to partake of God's divine nature and to have our whole being permeated with God himself. That's the illustration right here. As simple as it is, it's the most clear illustration. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, it says, Through these... He has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So this is different from what we were talking about a few minutes ago that holiness is just simply sinless perfection, getting it all right, checking the right boxes, sinless purity, right? Right? No, we participate in God's divine nature. Isn't that awesome? We participate in His divine nature becoming more and more like Him. That's a good thing. How? Starts with being still before God. Little by little, as we spend time with Him and learn to be still, God's nature takes up more and more resonance in our life. Can you imagine if if we try to section off parts of this glass to avoid or to prevent the dye from getting to those areas? Sometimes that's how we live. We we think we're going to hold on to these certain things in our life and we'll we'll let it, you know, we'll let his nature permeate those areas, but these are ones I'm hanging on to, right? And then we wonder why is it not working? Why am I not making a difference? Why am I not finding victory in my life? by fully infiltrating us with his holy nature over time he makes us holy so how do we grow towards holiness how do we grow number 1 learn to be still that's why pastor brian shared with us last week that it's so important to be still and know that he is god talking about being still right have you ever tried <laughs> have you ever tried to remove a splinter out of the finger or the toe of a six year old? I've got five kids. I've had many opportunities to go through that ordeal. Maybe for you it looked like this. Here, catch this video. This out, let me see. Okay. Okay. okay, let me see. Let me see. Okay, okay. Let me see. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, that uh, that final scream made all the statement right there. Uh, that um, we're, This is bad. That's basically what that scream was saying, right? Come at your child with a pair of tweezers and your kid might not only not sit still, but but similar to that uh, poor child, they might just come out of their skin, right? And the same is with us. If we are more interested in doing holy stuff rather than being holy, we're like that wiggling child who won't sit still, who's trying to control everything, who's trying to do it our way, and we're missing out on that which God wants to give us and infuse in us that will make our life better. When we are still before God, when we are still before God, we are able to receive from Him that which He has for us. So we've got to learn to be still. Number two, we've got to read the Word of God. you got to read it. Look, and I don't, I don't know where you're at again with your faith and stuff, but, but boy, you can just, you, you can open up the Bible and just start it at, at the beginning of one of the books. You can read it all the way through, however you want to do it. But just read it. And, and, and it says in John 17, 17, Jesus prayed, Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. We need the word infused into our minds and our hearts because it's truth. God's living word is truth. It's very important. A matter of fact, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, it says, Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Inwardly. Read it. It goes into us. It's truth that resides in us. And just Ten minutes, five minutes a day to get started. If, if this isn't a, a normal practice of yours, just start out with five minutes a day. Just just get in your favorite chair or whatever before your feet hit the floor. Just five minutes to start out with and and it'll increase over time. And and that, that works, that infuses truth in our hearts. And a matter of fact, it also keeps us from drifting onto other paths that we don't want to go on, right? Uh, Psalms 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp from my feet, and a light to my path. right? That light, you can see the path and stay on it. Many of us know by experience, I'm sure many of us know, that when we're in the Word, it's just different. It's just, it just feels like it's supposed to feel. Rather than when we're not in the Word, or we read it sporadically or something, then, then it just doesn't seem the same. So be in the Word, read the Word. Third thing, clean out the junk. Clean out the junk. It says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body and spirit. Now, it's interesting. And then it says, and let us work towards complete holiness because we fear God. Okay, let us cleanse ourselves. That is is uh, is referring to... Almost like 1 Peter 1.13, prepare your mind for action, a decision we have to make. It's not based on emotion, it's based on a decision. I am going to clean out my life. I'm going to let go of the junk. I'm going to let go of everything that can defile my body or spirit. We have to choose to do it. He's not going to force his way on us. But it says, and let us work. Let us work. we got to put work into it toward complete holiness. Look, we're not going to get holiness right. Even if you're desiring today like never before, man, I want this, I want this, I want to be set apart, I want to be distinct. Okay, we got to work at it. It's not going to be perfect ever, but you're not going to be at your best when you begin. You grow into it, you get better and better at it as we work towards complete holiness. To cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile means we stay away from or get rid of the stuff that doesn't move us in the right direction spiritually. And Psalms 139, 23 and 24. And again, another, another of my favorite passages of scripture. And talking about getting the junk out. We ask God, we say, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. That's a, a scripture That if you pray that to God, he will answer. Now, he doesn't answer in a way to shame you or destroy you or put you down or kick you to the curb. No, it's more like he's glad... ...that you're asking Him for that because He's glad that means that you're cleansing your life of junk that doesn't need to be there... ...so you and He can form a strong relationship and so this can happen in your life. That's what God wants for you because that's the best way to live. Cleaning house allows us to get closer to God. You know, we see this all the time at Recovery too. You know, folks will say, I don't know why I'm here exactly... But I know something needs to change. I know I got to get something out. I'm just not sure what it is. And some people do say, hey, I know exactly why I'm here. I can tell you in 10 words or less why I'm here. I just got to stop denying it. I got to stop pretending like I can manage on my own because I can't. I can't. Maybe we're trying to have it both ways. His nature in us while at the same time trying to hold back from surrendering some parts of the glass. Some parts of this space, it can't be done. It can't be done. It's all or nothing. It's all or nothing. Just like the water couldn't hold back the dye from reaching every part of the glass, God is saying to us, let my nature permeate all areas of your life. Why? Because when this happens, I'll tell you two good reasons. There's a million more, but two good reasons— Number one is when this happens, we can stop doubting that He's hearing us when we pray because we're not hiding anything from Him. Man, that brings peace. I don't know about you, but I hate that phase of my life when I would pray prayers and not, I wouldn't be sure if He was even hearing me because I was hiding stuff. Another, I said two reasons. The second one is by doing this, by becoming this, we're not having to do the work of living two lives, a double life, A a life in public and a secret life. We're not built for that. It's, It's fatiguing. It's not sustainable. It will crash on you. It may seem daunting to think about all this stuff. We may look at our condition, our weaknesses and say, man, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I can do that. Well, guess what? You can't. You can't do it. But in Philippians 4, 13, it says, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. In your own strength, you can't do it. In in Christ's strength, you can. I can. We can do this. Man, there's so many benefits to this. This isn't just about stuff we have to do. There's benefits to this. By living this life right here, I'll tell you what this brings about. I'll tell you what the benefits are. Number one, this takes you into the most freedom you can have in this world on this earth the most freedom the best relationships that you can have not perfect not perfect but the very best they can be this takes you to the least regrets at the end of it all the least regrets comes from living a life like this the clearest conscience the greatest influence for the kingdom You can relate with people better because remember, people are looking for this. They're looking for truth and you will have influence into their lives. And then also you leave a legacy of Christ-likeness for everybody who comes behind you, your children, your family. This is worth it. It's not just duty. It's God's benefit to us. It's God's promises to us. The world has a desperate need for people who are different. Next week, Pastor Brian is going to talk about how we need to be courageous. Courageous. I can't wait to hear that. And we'll talk about that more next week. But we need people who will carry their faith from here into the office, into the grocery stores. And those grocery store workers are having a hard time and they're not treated real well. We'll carry this into the restaurants, into the DMV when they're open. That's a challenge, okay? Into your home, because He calls us to be different. And we can do this through Christ who strengthens us. If you've discovered Jesus and this ministry has helped you follow Him fully, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can give through our Crossroads app or at crossroadsgrace.org. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this. Now go and follow him fully.